Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. Keep listening to find out how you can apply the art of learning to anything that you want to get better at. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back and thanks for joining me for this next episode, episode 31 of Steph's Business Bookshelf. I'm Steph Clark, a facilitator, team coach, podcaster and bookworm. I'll be guiding you through the three big ideas I took from this book, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin, and sharing some tips, tricks and techniques that I took about learning. If you're new, then welcome along. Each week I share the three big ideas that I've taken from the best books I've been reading in the world of business, marketing, psychology, human behaviour, sociology, organisational design and more general non-fiction. Basically, I'm doing the reading so you don't have to. I know a lot of you out there struggle to find time to read, but do want to get the best ideas and some of the good concepts that are included in many great books. So this is really a little hack for you. The episodes are usually 12 to 18 minutes long, usually depending on how much I enjoyed the book. There is a link you can tell, which summarizes the key big ideas for you. As I mentioned, this week's episode is about the book, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. Before we dive into what we learned, here's a little bit about the author. Josh Waitzkin first caught a glimpse of a chess set while six years old and walking with his mother in New York City's Washington Square Park. He was going to play on the monkey bars and instead he fell in love with the art that would dominate much of his young life. Josh's first teachers were the down and out hustlers, street virtuosos who took Josh under their wing and cleaned up their acts when their protégé came to play. At 21, Josh began to transition away from his early career in chess and into the study of the Chinese martial art Tai Chi Chuan with Grandmaster William C. C. Shen. He was drawn into the art by his love for Eastern philosophy and meditation and by the desire to begin a learning process anew as a total beginner, away from the spotlight that constantly followed his chess career. Initially, Josh had no intention of competing in martial arts, but there was no stopping the inevitable. He's gone on to win countless medals, international competitions and acclaim as a competitor. In 2008, Waitzkin founded the JW Foundation, an educational non-profit dedicated to an individualized approach to learning, and he currently serves as the president of the organization. In addition to consulting internationally on the subjects of performance, psychology, the learning process, and creativity, Josh is currently focusing on his third art, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, and don't try and follow Josh online. He's famously anti-social media. That was all taken from joshwaitskin.com, link in the show notes. A little bit about the book. In 2007, Josh released his second book, The Art of Learning, An Inner Journey to Optimal Performance. The book is an autobiographical discussion of the learning process and performance psychology, drawn from Josh's experience in both chess and martial arts. In The Art of Learning, Josh reveals his unique systems of thematic learning, idea generation, building resilience, and mastering the art of performance psychology. Again, taken from joshwaitskin.com, link in the show notes. I've also included a link or some links in the show notes to some interviews with Josh. Interviews with Josh tend to go very deep, very quickly. And you will see that from, and I'll talk about that and his style in the book when I'm talking about the book very shortly. You can also read the first chapter of The Art of Learning. That's available on Josh's website. Again, link in the show notes. And I've also included a link for Josh's Art of Learning project. So let's get into it. The three big ideas I took from the book the Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. Big idea number one, excellence is in the long game. And a lot of this is about mindset. 
So Josh talks about a version of fixed and growth mindsets and how he saw both in himself and other competitors, particularly when growing up playing chess, the incremental or growth mindset versus the entity or the fixed mindset. And the incremental mindset, the growth mindset being key to getting better. He saw examples of kids, and like I said, particularly growing up playing chess, kids who memorized countless opening sequences, but didn't play anyone that they might lose against. So whilst they were a bit of a big fish in a small pond, and they had an unbeaten record, they weren't actually challenging themselves. So they plateaued pretty quickly. They also showed little resilience as their self-worth was all wrapped in something that was very fragile, which is pretty dangerous for kids anyway. So he talked a lot and practiced a lot at a very early age, even at eight or nine years old, he was thinking about performance psychology and resilience. So he was thinking about how he can maintain resilience, how he can maintain a good mindset and thinking about the long game, thinking about how he's going to get better. He talks a lot about growth not coming from safety of mediocre players, so you need to be challenged, which means playing people who are more challenging than you, that you're almost guaranteed to lose against. Players who are going, and this is obviously in a sporting context, players who are going to push you and challenge your style. This is really applicable to almost anything in life that you need to be thinking about the long game that game theory and I think it was in an interview with Josh I heard him talking about this but I might be wrong but about game theory and how some people play the game to win the game whereas others play the game to stay in the game and to keep playing the game and how it's that longer term approach that is going to be better for consistent and sustainable success rather than looking for those instant or immediate wins it's also how you get better and how you really master the game or the field that you're in is by thinking long game. So big idea number one, excellence is in the long game. Big idea number two is embrace chaos. This is about the fact that conditions can't and won't always be perfect. Elite performers need to be unrattled by this and stay in their flow state. He saw particularly on the kids circuit playing chess, some kids would actually launch almost psychological warfare on their opponent. And Josh himself faced that or saw that with kids making noises, tapping the pieces on the table when he was trying to make his move, kicking him under the table as well. It was kind of pretty dirty tactics at, at points. And it wasn't always just the acts of others. So, for example, there was a couple of examples in the book, both in his chess days, but also in, in his martial arts competitions, where, for example, in the chess example, he turned up and it was a different chess set that he was used to which could have really thrown him. Similarly, when he was older and practicing and competing in martial arts, he went to a competition, was expecting to be on at a certain time, and they came and caught him while he was having lunch, said, right, the timetable has changed, you're now on. So he'd just eaten food and then was needing to go out and compete immediately. He hadn't done his whole warm-up routine, he hadn't done his things that needed him, he previously needed to get into that state of flow. So that was a real trigger for him to be able to switch on or learn how to switch on almost immediately, be it a couple of breaths, be it through listening to a particular song, whatever it was, but he needed a quicker way of getting into that flow state because conditions can't and won't always be perfect. You need to be able to adapt to that. So you need to find what gives you order, but then try and live or work without it. So if you have these things that you almost need around your conditions that need to be perfect, you're potentially not as adaptable as you could be. And you'll be thrown at an easier or quicker way than maybe some of your competition 
This might mean avoiding falling into rituals. And you see this a lot, particularly in tennis. For example, I remember reading about Rafael Nadal, who needs his bag to be packed in an exact order. The rackets have to be in a specific order. Everything has to be in a specific place. If you've seen him play, you'll obviously see the little thing that he does where he touches all the different parts of his body before every point, and that's his little rituals. The danger of those things, whilst it might be the thing, that's the thing that gets him into that flow state very quickly. With some of those things that are slightly more external, the risk is that you, if something is thrown, if you can't do those things, you can't access whatever it is that gets you into that state, that then the whole game or the whole competition or whatever it is that you're doing is lost. It's also relevant to maintaining clarity when you've made a big mistake. So being able to recover when you've made a bad move, when you've hit a bad shot, when you've made an error in something that you've done from a more academic perspective, you've got to be able to maintain that presence. Whether that's again getting into those breaths or doing something else to recover. Josh, while he was playing chess, he used to go sometimes if he was really needing to get back into the zone, he'd go and do a couple of 50 yard sprints outside the chess hall or whatever the, the venue was and come back a little bit sweaty, but ready and back in the zone. Now, that's not always practical. You maybe can't leave a meeting, go for a little run outside and then come back. But it's finding out what it is you can do. And again, maybe that's some breath work to get back into that state, that clarity. So you can still make good decisions even after something has thrown you or you've made a mistake. So that's big idea number two, embrace chaos. Big idea number three, and I've cheated a little bit. I've kind of smushed two big ideas into one so I can fit three in. Big idea number three is find coaches and the beginner's mind. I told you I couldn't even cleverly put that into one. All the way through the book and through his different acts or arts, as as he calls them, Josh has found great coaches. He's found people who are masters of their field and learnt from them. This is a big part of his life and they were very carefully chosen. And it was very careful as well when he chose to leave them because they didn't challenge him enough or they'd got to that plateau point where they'd done awesome work with him, but they weren't gonna be the one who takes him forward. You can see in the way Josh talks about his coaches and mentors that they were so fundamentally important to his success. And it's interesting, isn't it? We often in sports, for example, or something like chess, it seems almost acceptable that you would have a coach. You'd have someone on the side, helping you, course correcting you, looking at your technique, moving you along. Yet in business, it's still the exception, I think, for people to, or still a bit of a, almost a taboo in some places, to have a coach. And and particularly at an earlier point in your career. But if you look at elite performers, be it in business, in sport, in whatever field, all of them have had mentors, coaches, etc., helping them along the way. And then finding new ones, as their careers have progressed or as they have got better or more skilled in certain areas. The point on the beginner's mind is really about breaking it down. Josh has an almost obsessive eye for the detail and the components of a skill. He was recently on the Tim Ferriss podcast talking about a new hobby he's taken up on surfing, but he lives inland. So it wasn't exactly easy for him to just go and hit the waves every day or every couple of days. So what he did instead was he broke down what are the component parts and skills that he would need, or he, he does need, to be excellent at that new sport? And then how can he bring that into a more daily routine and practice? And again, a very deliberate practice. And I just found this mind blowing because that really 
is the thing that sets someone like Josh Waitskin apart. He is fastidious about the practice, the art, how he can get better at the different parts of a move, a skill, a sport. The last half of the book, which is around his martial arts career, I found slightly more challenging to read. And to an extent in the chess parts, but less so. Because the intricacy by which he describes each specific move and what exactly happened in each competition or in each practice session that he was having and which tiny element went right or went wrong was incredible. And it really shows that that is how his mind works and that is what makes him very special. He also talks about this in the sense of it's creating the discipline for the elemental practice. So it's the mastery of the basics that make you good. Not learning the fanciest skill or the fanciest move or the crushing closing positions on a chessboard. It is about mastering the basics. And when I've spoken to friends of mine and people I know who are who are experienced professionals, particularly in a skill set like a friend of mine who's a chef, she always says that the thing that sets apart an amateur and a chef, a professional chef, is that a professional chef knows how to correct their mistakes. It's similar in, in other fields as well because they've got such great understanding of the basics that they can go back and think, right, the croque-en-bouche hasn't worked, but I know how to fix it because I know what basic element or basic part has failed and therefore needs adapting. And I'm particularly pleased that I've managed to get croque-en-bouche into a podcast. The beginner's mind also involves putting your ego to the side and really looking at things from a fresh sense. It also involves looking at things across discipline. So something that Josh talks about is being able to look at adjacent fields, similar to Adam Grant we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in Originals, where he talks about broadening your perspective. Josh does this to an extent as well, and he'll look to different fields, and particularly in his newer pursuits of, of surfing, he'll look across and think, right, where else is similar? What else is similar? What can I learn that is going to support my newest pursuit? So that's big idea number three, find coaches and have a beginner's mind. Yeah, I know, it's two in one, but there, go with me. It's my podcast. As I mentioned, the book was really interesting. It's one I think I will go back and read at another point because there's a lot of depth to it. It wasn't an easy read, but it wasn't it wasn't super challenging, but I found the level of detail it goes in into moves and sports and activities that I'm not very familiar with. So the level of detail, sometimes you, I was sort of struggling to imagine it and visualize it because I've just got no concept of what that would look like or feel like. But that said, if you get past the actual detail and the words being written and having to visualize it, the concept is the most important thing around the art of learning and how to become great at other things. The other thing I found a little bit challenging was to think about this and these some of these concepts, not all of them, but some of them in a less sporting context. To think about how you would apply that to, I don't know, presentation skills or investing or having difficult conversations, whatever it is that you're wanting to get better at as your job or as more of a personal pursuit. It's harder to think about, right, where are the parallels? How can I break down presenting into its component parts and then practice all of those? There's ways of doing it, of course, but I think something that's more physical, like a sport, it was probably would have been, when I was thinking about those things as well, was easier to think about how you would immediately apply some of the learnings and the lessons here. That said, the stuff about mindset and the stuff around thinking about how to operate when 
there is chaos around you when you've made a mistake, maintaining that clarity was absolutely relevant and very easy to apply into all sorts of different fields. If you've read this book, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought. Have you applied this? Have you read this and then applied it some learning of your own? I'd like to hear that too. Or you can let me know what you're learning at the moment and how the three big ideas from here have helped you think about your learning in a different way. All the contact details are in the show notes as usual. I'd love to hear from you. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.